0: It is Dishing in the D time. Hey there, it's Chad and Christy, your host for our weekly podcast. We are the morning show hosts on the all-new 98.7 The Breeze. Our Dishing in the D podcast gives you...
1: Music, munchies, and all the hot happenings you need to know about here in Metro Detroit.
0: And this is a very, very special week for a lot of people. Because, as Justin Timberlake said...
1: It's
2: gonna be May.
0: Yes, thank you. And along with that comes Cinco de Mayo, and you want to make sure that you are in the know with exactly how to make the right meal and the right margarita for Cinco de Mayo, whether you're going to have some people over to your house, whether you're just going to be spending it by yourself, whether you are planning on going out somewhere, we thought we would get everything you need to know about Cinco de Mayo from the managing partner of Mesa in Royal Oak. I'm good. How are
1: you? We're doing great, and thank you for being with us, because we know when you run a restaurant, you're days are super long.
2: (laughs) That
0: is true. This is an important time of the year. And when we had a discussion the other day in our office about, okay, Cinco de de Mayo. And when it comes to a margarita, like where is the go-to place? And we did like an informal poll and everybody said, when it comes to tequila, there's no place better than your place.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
0: So we're like, oh, then we got to get Jenna on the phone and find out what the secret is to a good margarita.
2: Is it the tequila? Uh, It absolutely can be, but I think it's going to be the fresh squeezed lemon and lime. Okay. You can't use sour mix. You have to make it fresh. Um, and make sure that if you use a a flavored tequila it has to be freshly infused.
0: Now, is there a secret way to know when a lemon and lime are fresh? Like can you like plunk it like a cantaloupe or how, how do you know?
2: Well, your uh, your establishment's going to boast the fact that they squeeze their own lemon and lime. That they don't use sour mix.
1: But if you're making um, if you're making your own fresh margaritas at home and you're hitting the store and you're gonna go grab fresh produce. Is there a a secret to telling the difference between fresh lemons and limes as opposed to ones that still
2: need to ripen a little bit? You're gonna, you'll feel it with the rind. Huh. If it's a very hard rind, it's not going to be a lot of juice in it.
0: And should you go for the the lemons and the limes that are the prettiest and have the prettiest shape, or the the <laughs> no. ones with the oddest shape? Is there a, is there a flavor secret amongst the shape? <laughs>
2: Uh, for for any kind of citrus, the the little bit longer that they're able to to ripen, the better it's going to be. But there is no shape. There is no a lot of our produce these days are is thrown out because it doesn't have the aesthetic appeal. Right. Mm-hmm. But it absolutely can be just as amazing, but just doesn't look as pretty.
0: Well, Christy swears by, when it comes to tomatoes, and I'm curious as to, like, again, we're talking about your forte at Mesa. Christy mm-hmm. swears by the ugly tomatoes.
1: The, the heirloom tomatoes. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. So
0: is so is there, when it comes to, like, doing a, a traditional Mexican dish, is there a one-size-fits-all with tomato, or does it depend on the dish?
2: Oh, well, your heirlooms are going to be a sweeter tomato. Whereas uh, Romas are going to have more of a uh, a thicker texture. So if you need it in terms of like um, your pico de gallo, you're going to want a firmer texture so that it holds up with the olive oil, the lemon, you know, the the rest of the stuff that goes in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But heirloom in terms of sauces is the best. Okay.
1: And now when it comes to your pico de gallo or even your salsa, uh, what would you say as far as peppers go? Is there a, a go-to that might be something uh,
2: different than the traditional jalapeno? We use jalapenos for our pico, um, and we make it fresh every morning. But our salsa that we make fresh, we put five different types of peppers, serranos, wow. poblanos, jalapenos, habaneros, Um and then regular green pepper. All right, that's it. I'm coming over,
1: Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> have
2: Have we at this point discovered every kind
0: of pepper there is, or should we expect and because it, it seems like you know it was chipotle, and now all of a sudden it's the ghost pepper. I'm like, two three years from now, is there going to be some new it pepper? That I'm we sure need to there know?
2: is because they're they're cross utilizing all the the seeds right now. So I'm sure there will be. The ghost pepper is is hot, <laughs> to say the least. That is a, a tough one to work with, for yeah, sure. Our son
0: actually uh, not too long ago asked me, he's like, so do you want to go someplace and see if we can find? I'm like,
2: nope. Nope, good. <laughs> I, I, I like the lining of my stomach. I'm happy the way right. it is. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. You're going to feel that one for a little bit for wow. sure. And you know <laughs>
1: what? It, it's funny because you do see uh, people you know, trying to get their YouTube claim to fame or whatever, doing the, the challenges, the ghost pepper challenge or whatever. Really something like a ghost pepper, it's designed to be something that is a little teeny tiny seasoning to add that pop of flavor, not something that's designed to, to smoke you out.
2: Right, absolutely. You're, you're, you you want to put it in just the littlest bit to add some heat. You don't want to, you want the flavor. You don't want to ruin the taste of the dish. Right, the destruction of your taste buds. Right, and the inner lining of your stomach, as Chad said, yeah. yes.
0: And then uh, to top it all off, I mean, there's going to be a debate for forever about what cheese should you put on the top of, like, authentic Mexican delicacies? Is is there a one go-to that you tend to use more than others?
2: We use Chihuahua cheese a lot. Um, our three main cheeses here are going to be cojita, the fresca, and then Chihuahua. But Chihuahua is going to be, like, your, your Mexican version of mozzarella. Okay. So your quesadilla cheese, um, enchilada... It melts amazingly, and there's not a lot of saturation, water saturation in it, so you don't get that uh, soupiness.
1: Now, you see, I didn't think it was going to get much better than peppers, and now you went to cheese. <laughs> and it just, this conversation just went to the next level. I
2: Right. We're in a relationship now. So.
0: I, I think <laughs> secretly you choose the chihuahua just because it's the most fun to say. Uh, it, and, and we top it with a little chihuahua.
2: <laughs> what's funny is that so many people are like, you dog? <laughs> no, no, it's cheese. It's cheese. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> now, it, I, I mean, we've t- we've talked about the restaurant and everybody raves about how fantastic Mesa is in, in Royal Oak. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Thank you, you. You being, though, someone who's around it all the time, I'm always curious, mm-hmm. like, when you go home, do you still enjoy cooking, or do you go home and you're like, nope, not tonight, we're uh, calling something in?
2: I absolutely still enjoy cooking. I don't let my husband do it at all. He's not allowed in the kitchen. That <laughs> is just a big no. <laughs> what is? Uh, your- yeah, I really, I do enjoy it. I enjoy, it's calming to me, so...
0: See, and I look at it that way, too. When I cook, because Christy does not cook either.
1: Well, it's not that I can't cook. It's just Chad gets so much joy. It is my gift to him.
2: <laughs> that See, and that is amazing that you give that to him. See, that's why it works for you, too.
0: Uh-huh. But I enjoy the journey, and that's what it is right. to me. And it's like... One ingredient in, one sip of my drink. Another ingredient in, one sip of my drink. And it's so like... We cook it's... the
2: same way. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> what, what is your, like, a- at-home go-to dish then?
2: Uh, let's see. That's tough because I try to make something different every night. Um, I do love, and my husband loves, um, a cedar plank salmon with a, a Dijon brown sugar crust. That we put on the grill.
0: How do you, and that's, that's an it thing too. I noticed that too, because we don't, we don't grill out a lot, but I have noticed Mm -hmm. that that is like one of the it things now is to use like the, the wood planks or the wood chips or whatever, but I, I don't know if I know accurately how to use them.
2: Oh, it's actually really easy. The hardest part is going to be the prep of the board. Okay. You just have to make sure that you submerge it for about two hours so it doesn't burn up.
0: Aha, that's the trick. Because yeah. I was wondering, I'm like, if you put the wood right on the flame uh,
2: <laughs> How is this a thing? Yeah. Right.
0: Okay, so you gotta soak it for two hours. That's interesting. Yep.
2: yep. And and it makes just the most amazing flavor. And and I know
0: here in, in Metro Detroit, obviously we've be, become such a foodie town. Um, and, and, you know, that everybody wants to win, you know, the James Beard or wants to, you know, there, there are multiple awards when it comes to, to being a restaurateur. When you decide on your menu or you decide on a dish, does that play in your head at all? Like, Hey, the way we're putting these ingredients or plating it together might actually get us the award this year, or does it not enter your mind at all?
2: For us, it doesn't enter my mind. and i know our chef we're more concerned about being consistent and making sure that every single time you come in here you get the exact same experience of course you want your dishes to come out beautiful you want someone to look at your plate and say oh my god i want that or i know it's already going to taste good but at the end of the day you need to make sure that you can do it appropriately consistently and fresh
0: and do you ever sit at home i'm I'm trying to equate like your life with our life. Do you ever sit at home and watch like chopped or anything on Food Network and go, oh no no, 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 what the ingredients they're putting together right now are all wrong, or do you actually learn things from those shows like the rest of us do
2: uh absolutely i do I watch them actually quite often or um different youtube videos and um I think there's always something a new twist that you can learn that can give you a kind of a heightened look at what you're putting out. Um, I don't ever fault anyone for what they're doing though, because that's just a different path that they're going on. So I would never say that's wrong. I have seen you on those shows. You notice that a lot of those chefs, they have their one little comfort zone in terms of uh, seasonings. Right. And then I, I don't understand that because it seems like they only are comfortable with one little group. Right. Whether it be the curry family or, you know, I think being able to expand the entire and know what each seasoning is going to bring to the dish right, is more important.
1: Well, diversification is key. For you sure. you have to be able to not be a one-trick pony.
0: Right, exactly. But then at the same time, you know, you, you hear this a lot of the stories of, you know, th- this is where I'm from. This is what I grew up with. It is my comfort because my grandma yep. made this dish or my mom. How, how, what was your path into becoming a restaurateur?
2: Uh, I was actually the bar. It didn't really have anything to do with, initially <laughs> with the kitchen. So, but since the kitchen is where I have a lot of um, my passion, uh, it just kind of turned out that way. I was always so curious every, restaurant I ran or bar I ran um in what people thought was going to be something that worked whether it be a kitchen manager or a chef whatever um but yeah I started out pretty much bar only mm-hmm. I can tell you also all the fantastic things you can do with tequila.
0: <laughs> well, I then, practice uh, them
2: all. Other than I a margarita,
0: because people might buy a, a big bottle for, for uh, Cinco de Mayo and then not use it all. What what are like one or two other like go-to tequila drinks that you would recommend?
2: Actually, tequila, a little bit of fresh squ- squeezed lime juice, um, and then we make a blueberry compote, and just a splash of ginger beer is amazing. Mm. Mm. It is um, absolutely refreshing. Um, We have a raspberry lager, which is raspberry infused tequila, actually um, some light Mexican beer and just a little bit of lemon juice. It is super refreshing and amazing, like there's a lot of things you can do with tequila. People have the negative connotation from, you know, drinking. Crappy tequila in college—that it's going to make them throw up, <laughs> right. like, like instantly. They had a bad uh, go with, you know, El Toro back in the day. But um, tequila has come a long way. <laughs> you just spoke to all oh, of us. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I it's come East. a long way. Yeah. The distillation process is amazing now. It's actually the most regulated liquor in the world.
1: And, you know, you you mentioned the blueberry compote, and I think the, you know, the refreshing aspect of it. That, to me, is what is the big difference between uh, a, a lot of fresh drinks, uh, especially like your sangrias and different things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it's having that fresh element, whether it's a, a peach puree or something that you can just tell wasn't something that came out of a
2: package. Right the the ones that are pre-made for you have so much sugar in them that it's going to dehydrate you almost immediately. Wow. So the fresh squeezed fruits um, and juices and using, yeah, fresh compotes and purees, that's really a key to making it so that you can have the second drink.
0: Now, we, we've – seems like every weekend we're over at the Royal Oak Farmer's Market. We love it there. It's just so cute and quaint. but. It really is. Is is there another, like you would, if you would recommend to people that are like, okay, I'm getting into this, I'm getting into cooking, I'm getting into, I want to get fresh blueberries or peaches and make a compote and, and put it in a drink. Is there another place that you recommend or where else do you go?
2: Well, uh, in this area, I actually live in the Plymouth Livonia area. So we have a, a nice little Joe's produce over there. But here, Holiday Market actually has a really great produce section all right people are really knowledgeable um that was just a free plug for them <laughs>
0: hey you know we're, we're all about just sharing the love and making this family and making this hometown so that that's what it's all about to us but, right um and and we know we, we got to let you go because you've got a busy schedule but f- to kind of bring this full circle and wrap this up now on our discussion about this being all about cinco de mayo if somebody is going to have a group of people over uh, we've talked about drinks now, and they might want to try, oh, let's put some blueberry puree in this. What If there's a one centerpiece kind of thing, though, where you would say, make this, put it out, people will go crazy for it. It's going to make your party. Is there like a go-to dish?
2: I think if you're going to put something out, you got to go dip. So I would do guac, salsa, pico, the easy stuff that most people know how to make, and it can stand being out. Gotcha. Right,
1: because food poisoning of... is not a good additive to it your does.
2: party. <laughs> no, it, it does. People talk after,
0: you know. <laughs> and just put a little chihuahua on top. That's
2: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Jenna, thank you. We are um, we have it on our to do list to get down to your place and uh, awesome. and indulge once again. So we just appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So next week on our Dishing in the Deep podcast, we are going to go where you. And a lot of other ladies will be very, very happy. We are going to talk Bachelor and Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. Going to go all the way back to the beginning, to
1: that first season of The Bachelorette. Paint the picture for us, Christy. So Trista, yes. who was the runner-up on The Bachelor, yes. ended up at the end with Firefighter Ryan. Yes. Then along came the marriage. Yes. And then two kids. It's hard
0: to believe it has been 16 years mm-hmm since they were married and how many countless seasons of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So next week on our podcast, we're going to catch up with Ryan and Trist to find out what's been going on with them, their thoughts on the whole Bachelor, Bachelorette then versus now. Maybe there's some of their favorite contestants, some of their least favorite contestants throughout the year. So if you are a Bachelor and Bachelorette fan, you definitely want to join us next week on our Dishing in the D podcast. And if you want more info on our morning show or our station, The all-new 98.7 The Breeze. Just go to our website, 987TheBreeze.com, or connect with us on social media. Of course, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's at 987TheBreeze. Until then, keep dishing in the D.